when you're an entrepreneur, it's natural to be more intentional. Mm -hmm. There's a need to think about, okay, so what is, what is it going to look like creating this business? Mm -hmm. What do we hope to accomplish from this business today? But I think the pandemic pandemic um, really caused people to reevaluate how they are in the world. Mm -hmm. Desire is a starting point of most intentions. And then when one decides, to commit to that desire, that becomes an intention. The really great news about that is most people have done some really good things. They have done things that are positive, that people have said, wow, Adam, you're really good at that. Mm -hmm. the, the other thing that typically doesn't happen is we, we don't reflect on that. Mm -hmm. We don't take time. Probably it'd be more valuable as you're talking about New Year's resolutions to really spend New Year's reflecting on all those things that we've done well. Have you ever got to a point in your life and wondered, what should I do now? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Unbounded Your Podcast and thank you for joining us for our third episode of this season. Don't judge a book by its cover. You've probably said, heard that before. And in today's episode, we are going to talk about a book that you should not judge by its cover. My name is Mark Allen and I'm your host. In this episode, Adam and I had the opportunity to sit down with Dr. David Koppening and talk about his latest life-changing book, What's Next? A book that he co-authored with his son Carlton, a world traveler. Dr. David is a true force of transformation and intention. His career spanned over counseling, coaching, consulting, and of course, writing. He has worked with the Federal Aviation Administration, the Colorado Bar Association Leadership Program, even the USB, the USA rugby team, just to name a few. Dr. David has an unwavering commitment to empower you to navigate the path of your life with purpose and clarity. What's next gives you three practical steps to living your best life ever. The book is already available on Amazon and you can get a copy of it on the description in this episode. And if it's your first time here and you're watching us on YouTube, consider subscribing and turning on your notification bell so that you don't miss out on any future episode. If you are listening to us on your favorite podcasting platform, don't forget to follow our page and share with your friends as well. With that being said, ladies and gentlemen, let's dive into this episode and discover what's next for your life. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Unbounded Growth. I am so thrilled and excited to be here for our third episode of this season. As we've been talking about our two previous episodes, this season we are doing something particular. We are talking about the mind. We're talking about thoughts. We're talking about all the books that we'll be talking about this season. We pretty much have to do with the mind. We have to do with your thoughts. We have to do with what you can do with your mind to change your life, to grow a better you. And for the first time in a very long time, Adam and I, I are together recording <laughs> again in person. This is uh, this is completely amazing to to be here. It's it's a great opportunity to be here. How are you doing, Adam? I'm doing well, Mark. How are you doing? I am doing amazing, and I'm so I'm so glad to be here. I know y'all can already tell how uh, erratic I am because of the type of conversation that we are going to have today. So, as I was saying in the introduction, do not judge a book by its cover. And today we are going to talk about one of those books that you should not judge by its cover. I'll be honest, uh, being being who I am and, and having done what I've done, when I looked at the book, I thought to myself, is this the type of book I want to read? 
you know, but I had to get back to me and say again, you know, I will not sit here and judge a book by its cover. So I dove into the book and I started reading the book just to see the wealth of knowledge and information that was in the book. And uh, we probably won't be talking about the cover of the book a lot, but at some point we talk about it and we understand. As a matter of fact, you know what? I think it would be a good surprise for you to read the book and understand why the title was chosen in the first place. <laughs> and today we have an amazing opportunity to be with the author of the book. It's always for me a great pleasure to receive authors uh, when when uh, I'm talking to them and just to dive into their mind to see the things that might have not be written in the book. And this podcast today, we offer you that opportunity to have some of the questions answered, to have some of the concerns addressed, and to also encourage you to not only listen to this podcast, but to go on your Amazon account and buy this book. Buy this book for yourself and buy this book for someone you love because the questions that are in this book are life-changing. And I'm not just saying this because I want to prop up the book. I'm not getting paid to do this, I'll be <laughs> honest. <laughs> I, I am saying this from, from, from an honest heart, from an honest opinion. When Just to give a little background before, before we, we, we introduce our guest. When I read this book, I was, I was at a point of my life where I was asking myself a lot of questions. The questions that most of us ask, ask ourselves. When you've accomplished so many goals, you've done this and that. And then the question remains, what's next? What is it that you want to do next with your life? What is it that you want to accomplish? What is it that you want to do? At the beginning of the year, we all have this stuff that we call year resolution that I've actually turned out to be just year confessions. I confess <laughs> I'll be doing this. I confess I'll be doing that. And then by the time January 10th rolls over, you've already forgotten about everything. But how can you ensure that all your goals, your dreams, and everything that you ever thought of gets accomplished and gets done? And the answers will be in this interview and we do in this book. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, it's a pleasure and an honor for us to introduce to you Dr. David Koppingen. How are you doing, Dr. David? I'm doing great. That was a very nice introduction. And I Thank think you. we just lost you. Uh, there we go. I think we're back. How are you doing? Okay. I'm doing good. I, uh, Thank you for your... Yeah. Go ahead. No, just thanks for that great introduction. No, thank you so much for, first of all, for, for sending us a free copy of the book. I think I, I really, I really do appreciate it, and I still, I still wanna want to buy my own copy. Uh, free stuff are great, but for me, sometimes I believe that we, there is more value in something that you pay for. <laughs> you know, we tend. I, I don't know if it's just human nature, but we tend to put more value on things that we we pay for. But I'm not buying a copy for myself because that would be that would be redundant. I'm buying a copy for someone, uh, for someone that I love and which we encourage. Oh, that would be great. Yeah, which yes. we definitely encourage people to do it and uh, keeping it. I know this week, the the week the, the episode is being released, it will be Father's Day, our Father's Week, our Father's Day week. So. So that's also a gift you can get to your dad. All right, Mr. David, uh, can you just give us a little bit background? Of course, I'm calling you doctor because you have a PhD and I love to respect people with PhDs. Soon I'll be calling Adam doctor. And I told him when, when he gets married to tell his wife and his son to be calling him doctor husband and doctor, doctor daddy. You know, I hope I hope your, your kids call you like that. <laughs> Dr. David. Well, sometimes, sometimes um, I use it. Um, my wife says, you know, just trust me, I'm a doctor. So you can use that little line once in a while and, and, and get away with things. So, yeah, that's the best part. Pocket that away. I love that. Yeah. I love that. But you, for this interview, you can just call me David. I appreciate that you, you know, acknowledge that. But 
we can just i can just be david for sounds today. good sounds good like yeah. uh, sounds so, good david <laughs> yeah, it, it, take, it take me a while it take me a while to get used to uh, it it will you, you know. can get a few in there but <laughs> david's fine thank you all right so tell us a little bit about yourself i know we we already gave an introduction about you but you know we want to hear a little some more about you like who are you what do you do and uh we, we dive into your work and and some of what you've written in this book that our listeners are so eager to to hear yeah i i you know i think what makes uh, maybe a little unique is that um i have been living a life of intention pretty early and so for me, writing this book and the two previous books was pretty easy to do. And it was a real pleasure to bring forth my actual life experiences and then dig into the science that supports that. I'm always interested in hearing the science that supports how we use our minds to improve our lives. So I've had, I've been using this idea of intention you know, very early in my life. Um, I, I've been an entrepreneur most of my life. I think I started being an entrepreneur when I was 16. Hmm. And I, I created a landscaping company. And, and during the summer, me and a friend um, hired all of our other friends to do landscaping projects. Hmm. So, you know, I've been an entrepreneur, I've built houses. And, and I think when you're an entrepreneur, it's natural to be more intentional. Mm-hmm. There's a need to think about, okay, so what is, what is it going to look like creating this business? Mm-hmm. What do we hope to accomplish from this business? Mm-hmm. So have, being entrepreneurial has, has definitely uh, um, supported and encouraged me to be more intentional. So I have the, the, the book that I wrote, the one Everyday Visionary, the byline is A mm-hmm. Practical Guide to the Life You Desire. And I think that's another real important part that that I bring as a as a researcher, writer, and an author is that I have really used these things. Mm. These are not just things that I was interested in and have written about. I've been using them now for almost fifty years, mm. and um, it's influenced so many parts of my life that we will have an opportunity to talk about. And I do want to just make sure that you you indicate that I'm co-author of this book with my son. Yes, absolutely. Uh, we, we talk about that a little bit, uh, Doctor uh, David. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still, I'm still, you know, it would take me a minute. Uh, bear, bear with me. Yeah, bear Adam me. probably won't give you that much slack, but I certainly will. So, <laughs> thank you. I appreciate it. You you mentioned that you started your entrepreneurship journey when you were 16. Was mm-hmm. that something you intended to do, or did it just happen? Yeah, and I it, that back then I didn't I wasn't aware of how of the concept of intention and um, it really and I can I think you ask a, maybe you're going to ask a question later when did this all start but for me I don't think I really recognized that I had been using intention um, until I was in my early twenties mm. and I can talk a little bit about that now we can hold off and talk about it a little later. Uh, we, we we save that for later. I know we, we do have okay. uh, a, a, a lot of it. So my, the two first things that I want us to talk about is you you you've written books. So you you know everyday visionary, thinking about how to design the best life ever. 
But why did mm. you did you wait so long to write this book? And how did the idea of the book itself come around? If you discovered that you were, you know, you've been using intention in your early 20s, why would you wait this long to 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 just give us this treasure? <laughs> well, I think I've always been more practical oriented and and really spent a lot of time in the doing counseling and coaching and every time I was in that capacity I was using intention I did a lot of works work with organizations um you know federal aviation administration and um uh you know a number of different groups of that caliber um helping organizations develop a good clear intention for their leadership team so I was pretty practically involved in using intention as a as more of a coach and consultant hmm. and it wasn't until I stopped wanting to have more of what I call a real-time presence so uh, meaning I actually have to get on an airplane and go someplace or I have to you know go to an office to meet with people hmm. I've really now the last probably 10 15 years have don't want to have to be anywhere necessarily because I live in Colorado and I ski and I mountain bike and I golf and I fish and those take a lot of time. And uh, so I, you know, sitting at my computer and re doing research and writing and in this case, writing a book with my son really supports my lifestyle. Wow. That's, that's amazing. And so I guess it's a lifestyle choice <laughs> <laughs> uh, they to write of, a book. The kind of lifestyle everybody dreams of. <laughs> Yeah. Now, yeah. why intentions? You, you've just talked about how you've been using intentions your whole life. But there's another aspect that you've mentioned already that you co-authored this book with your son, which is something we don't we don't really see very often, fathers co-authoring books with their son. Usually, I don't know if you've also noticed this, but fathers tend to have different ambitions from their sons. Like I know Adam's dad is 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 a colonel back in Congo. He's in the army. Is a general? He's a general. Yeah, now he's a general <laughs> in the army. And Adam has wants nothing to do with military. <laughs> Absolutely. My, my dad was a lawyer. Uh, I don't think I want to be a lawyer. <laughs> you know, <laughs> what was it like uh, co-authoring uh, the book with your son, and why? Why did you choose to do it with him? Well, he's the one that drove this project. Um, I, I've all, I always wanted to combine the two books that I wrote, Everyday Visionary and The Field Guide for What's Next. The Field Guide for What's Next is the it's more the practical process. Hmm. And I always wanted to do, you know, pull them together. And kind of to your previous point about writing a book, when I was going to do that, by the time I had just written all the information in Everyday Visionary, I, I just needed to get it published. So I had to wait a while before I was ready to do the second part. So, so my son actually did the second part. So he did the field guide and, and um, had the experience of coming back um, from his world trip and saying, wow, all the things I wrote down in this book are, are really happened. And they were pretty significant things. And so he said, you know, this is something that you did. I, I got a lot of value out of it. Why don't we rewrite it, hmm. um, bringing both our voices to the idea of conscious intention. Mm -hmm. And we have a really good relationship and, and I always have worked together really well on a lot of adventures, taking a lot of adventures and such. And so we started on this one to write this book together. That's amazing. Adam, you want to get the next one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, absolutely. Now, um, so 
you wrote two other books and um yeah, and your son discovered that uh, those books added a lot of value to his life. And uh, he decided, okay, okay, let's combine um, these two books. It's kind of funny. I also have a similar story with my dad, actually. Uh, my dad wrote eight books right now. And um, one of his books, I am rewriting it. <laughs> I am putting oh, it okay. based on actually like today's and we are arguing a lot about it because we don't agree on a lot of <laughs> points. <laughs> but, right. but that actually brings me to another point here, the actual title of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just the same as my dad. We actually have, me and him, we have to actually agree on the title of what that book going to look like. But why this specific title? Uh, why what's, what's so particular? Actually, it's, it's a very particular title, but... Why is why this specific title for the book? Yeah. So um, we really want to capture an audience's attention. Hmm. And that attention, um, Mark Allen somewhat referred to it, is yep. you are starting to have this little inkling of the idea of what's next. Mm-hmm. And for people that are having those inklings. And I think a lot of people had those coming out of the, the pandemic and mm. you know everything that were the political polarity that we're dealing with today. But I think the pandemic pandemic um, really caused people to reevaluate how they are in the world. Mm-hmm. And so my son, and I'll take it's kind of his thing. He's the one that said, Dad, this is the this is the title we need to go with. <laughs> it's gonna turn some people off, but we're not gonna appeal to everybody. I mean, for example, my best friend has already told me that, you know, he just can't stand that. He can't live with it. And I said, well, then I guess you're not going to read the book. So I, I have to take that as, as, as part of the process. But we really wanted to say something that, that made, that caught someone's attention. And we hope they read the next part of the byline, which yes. is uh, the, the no BS guy mm-hmm. to getting what you really want. Mm. And so the combination of those two things we're hoping will appeal to the right person. And I'm, I guess now that I, we've used the F word, I see it so much being used in popular culture. Right. Um, and I, I, I think I had mentioned to you, Mark, earlier that to some degree, I, I had a, my was a little reaction. And then I thought back and I mentioned to Lexi, I think it's the last page of the book. I talk about my own personal therapy. And, mm-hmm. and if my therapist, if my therapist had not used, you know, the F word, the way he did, I might not have had the, the level of in-depth therapy that I had, because when he would, when he would use the F word in our therapy session, he caught my attention. <laughs> and and I could have easily bypassed those, you know, those moments in my therapy and I didn't. So I see the value in it. Um, as I said, it's not going to appeal to everybody. And I'm really appreciative that you guys, because I know you have a more of a Christian background that you were okay with looking past that and trying to find and saw and found the value of what, what we have inside this book. Absolutely, absolutely, and and I think uh, the, the 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 surprise that we reserve to our listeners is if you want to know why David used that word, check the last page of the book. Don't just open the book and read the last page. You know, we still right. want you to read the whole book and still understand and and get everything that you you can get out of it. Uh, so, David, 
the the next one that I have it, throughout the whole book, from from the introduction all the way to the conclusion, there's this one word you repeatedly use, and you've probably used it already ten times since we started recording. Intentions, in in kind of simple terms, how do you define intentions? How what what are intentions? Yeah, and I think this. Probably the simplest, I'm going to try to do it as simple as possible, which is desire is the starting point of most intentions. Mm. And then when one decides to commit to that desire, that becomes an intention. So for example, if I said I had a desire, here's an example of a desire that would lead to an intention. The desire would be, I'd like to live in a warmer place and have a different job. Mm. That's a desire. Mm -hmm. But then if I go to make an intention, you might say, by the end of the year, mm -hmm. I will live in a place where it's more than 60 degrees every day. Mm -hmm. And I will have a job in elder care that supports my financial lifestyle. Mm -hmm. So that that's the difference between, or that's the, the path, I guess, mm -hmm. from desire to intention. Mm -hmm. And then you add to it, goals, benchmarks, and actions to really fulfill that commitment. That's, that's and very... then, Go ahead. Does that help? No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I want you to keep going. Yeah, well, I can talk about two issues at this around that that I think hold people back from converting desire into intention. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, I'd be curious then what you guys have to say about that. You know, that... Uh, <laughs> Before you go there, just just a thought that I want us to hold. Okay. From the definition you've given, and from the conversation, and from what you've written in the book, I you the book at least sounded like we all live the life we intend to live, whether we are conscious of it or unconscious of it. Mm -hmm. Now I'm a little bit puzzled to to the question of knowing. Do I don't think there's anybody that desires to live a poor life. Uh, what, what I mean by that is poor health habits, you know, poor financial habits, or, or poor in any any sense of the world that can can be there. However, people sometimes find themselves living a life that they quote unquote do not want to live. So, talking about our desires that lead to intentions. Now, I'd like to hear your thought, and then we we come back to this. Okay, so I think what you're asking is that if somebody's not having a good life, maybe they're responsible. They're responsible for that. Yes, in some in some way. Is, is that is that? I mean, do we? Let me let me try to rephrase this. Okay. So okay. the life the life that we live, are we responsible for it? Or are we responsible? Or the circumstances around us shape what we become. So, there is a combination of both. Mm. So certainly, we are living from causes and conditions, mm -hmm. and those causes and conditions definitely impact our lives. Mm. So there's no question about that. Mm -hmm. If you grew up, if you were born into you know poverty or bad health. Mm -hmm. Those are conditions that you certainly start with mm -hmm. and, and you weren't, it's not, 
quote, your fault or whatever right. that that happened. Hmm. The only thing that I have been able to tell from my research and personal experience is mm -hmm. I can, though, have some influence mm. on how the trajectory of my life is. Mm -hmm. And I have found that when I do make a conscious intention about how I would like things to be, mm. I have found that I am more open to opportunities. I'm more aware of things that help me move in that direction. And I've had a, I, I've had a pretty privileged life. So mm -hmm. I haven't had to deal with those more hard facts of growing up in war, you know, war area or, right, right. or those things. But from my, just from my experience, yes. the, the few, the challenges that I have had, mm -hmm. I have been able to then have a conscious intention how I would like them to be different. And I, and it's, it's been my experience at least. And as I said, I have, there's research that supports this, that mm -hmm. my, once I engage my conscious intention to have it be different, I have made gains in those areas. Hmm. Now to, to what you were saying before, how do desire, when or how do desire translate into intentions? Well, I think you have to make a conscious intention. Mm. And that's, I think it's really easy to just keep saying to my, to yourself, myself, oh, I, you know, someday mm -hmm. I would like for me to be in better shape. Mm. Someday I would like to take that trip to the Caribbean. Mm -hmm. um, someday I would like to find a significant other. Mm. Um, it's easy to do that. I do that. You know, I think about things and, and think I desire those things. But the, the key point, the key moment that changes that is when I make a commitment to saying, okay, that is what I want to have happen next. Hmm. And that's where it really gets into me what I was going to fill out, which hmm. is I think a big reason that people hesitate hmm. from making that commitment to an intention is kind of two things. One is, is this what I really want? Mm. And secondly, what if I don't get what I want? Mm. And then there's a failure, feeling of failure or fear of failure. So that's the part where Colton and I, my son and I have really created the, the step one of our process, which is helping people connect to who they are, how they've been successful, what they love, Mm -hmm. So that when they do create an intention, they already have the confidence to know that that likely is what I really want hmm. to have happen. And uh, go ahead. Yeah, I guess um, I just want to ask this because we talk about conscious intention and um, basically from what, what you just said and from basically my background, what I gather is that's actually what I I would define as intention. Now I'm going to go on the other side of um, the spectrum of unconscious intention. Can you el elaborate about unconscious intention and give a couple of examples what that would look like? Yeah, I and and one of the things that I talk about is um, making when you make an intention, you try to make it as positive as you can. Mm. So if you don't make an intention positive and maybe say, I, I don't want to have pain anymore in my, hmm. in my leg, 
Mm-hmm. So now you're talking about having pain. You're unconsciously talking about pain mm-hmm. versus really embracing what it is that you want. I want my leg to, to function uh, in a healthy manner, be flexible, be strong, be stable. So you're kind just a simple, something simple, like thinking that you're just trying not to have pain doesn't really give your brain all the information it needs to help you find the resources you need to get to where you really want to be, which is getting that leg to be healthy, strong, stable, all of that. Hmm. That's, that's very interesting. Uh, David, would you, would you, uh, there's a story that I read in the book that I thought was really was very interesting. In the introduction of the book, you talk about a time that you have a fight with your dad and he kicks you out of the house. At that particular moment, which to me, I will equate to COVID-19, where all of a sudden people find themselves in their houses with a spouse that they've been living with for the last 15 years and realizing that I probably do not know the person that I'm living with. When you hit that rock bottom, what was going on in your mind? And for for the people who are hitting that rock bottom, what can they do at that point so that they live the life they intend to live, not just the life they want to live? So if you talk a little bit about that story, I think that story is very, very interesting. And then uh, also talk about people who hit that rock bottom. What is it that they, they can do? Yeah, I, you know, at that point I was, you know, 18 years old and I just, you know, just finished my first year of college and, and I was really not, I hadn't really embraced the idea of intention. I didn't understand it. Um, I believe as I indicated a little bit, I have been an entrepreneur since I was 16. So mm-hmm. I, I had some idea of what was happening, but that particular event really was a you know very low time for me without having the resources to do anything so to yeah. compare that to somebody who would be in that situation wow that's that's really a hard place um and i think the best thing that someone could do is find try to find people that can support them and at least get them in a more stable situation because yeah. I I don't think I could even say, oh yeah, you pick up the book and you could get take yourself <laughs> out of that hole. That's a that's a way optimistic view. So thank you for you know juxtapositioning. You know, when a person's in a very deep hole, the best they can do is find the best support they can to get, you know, to get back to at least a, a reasonable status quo. But once you reach that point mm-hmm. where you're at it back to that status quo, I believe that for example, our our book with the the three step process could certainly help, and and this is a really important point, Mark. That we we don't go and say that we want you to change your whole life. Mm-hmm. Our focus is start with one thing, mm-hmm. one important thing you want to change in your life. That you one what's next that you want to do, mm-hmm. and we believe that if once you do that one thing and follow the steps to get there, mm-hmm. you're you're going to have the confidence to do that more often and hopefully have a little um, um, insulation, Mm -hmm. I guess, 
to, to if something does hit you again and put your rock bottom that you might be able to remember, Hey, I did this before I created a what's next out of a, you know, so that's what I would suggest. That's, that's very interesting, Dr. David, that you, you talk about that. And I think that's one of the mistakes that a, a lot of people make. And I think we've made that, 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 that mistake in the past where we try to go after too many things especially the New Year's resolutions that I like to call the New Year's confessions. We try to think, okay, this year I'm going to lose weight and I'm going to, to start a business and I'm going to... I'm not saying that it's impossible to start all of that at the same time. The problem, and I think you, are, you, you allude to that in the book, is that you chase too many things and you talked about it, you talked about it before, where you start having that fear. What if, what if it doesn't work? And, and I feel like when we have too many resolutions as well, there's that domino effect, right? It's like, oh, you say that you're going to hit the gym every single day and then you don't go on Wednesday and then you don't go on Thursday. And before you know it, it's a week, a week is over. And because you feel like, oh, I've, ha- I've failed to go to the gym every single day. Now, uh, you know, I can't start my business that I wanted to start because I feel like I'm fed at that too. And, and now I can't get my spouse because I feel like I'm fed at that too. And it kind of create that, that domino effect. So I, I really, I really appreciate that you, uh, you, you, you really mentioned that point where you, you know, having a, a, a network of people that can help you get at least to a stable place because, and I think it's it's in the uh, the pyramid of needs where it says that you know the need of the basic needs of security of just safety feeling that the safety first and of course being 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 a, a, a PhD in psychology a, in psychology you probably know know this a lot a lot more more than I do and uh, so you 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 mentioned about knowing what you really want as being the first step of creating your intentions and and as i was going through the book you actually have a lot of questions on really understanding what you really want why is that important well there and you've already alluded to this we are very much a product of uh, causes and conditions Mm. and we have built our lives at you know, one day at a time. Mm -hmm. And we are more likely than not to do the same general thing that we did did in years before. Mm -hmm. We are creatures of habit. Um, Mm -hmm. We're just just more likely to have that happen. Mm -hmm. But the really great news about that is most people have done some really good things in their lives. Mm -hmm. By the time they're 20, 30, whatever years old, Mm -hmm. they have done things that are positive, that people have said, wow, Adam, you're really good at that, mm-hmm. um, whatever it might have been. And the, the other thing that typically doesn't happen is we, we don't reflect on that. Mm-hmm. We don't take time. Probably it'd be more valuable as you're talking about New Year's resolutions to really spend New Year's reflecting on all those things that we've done well, we've enjoyed, the things that we love, the things that people told us that we did well at. So that's the grounding with that information. Then if once I get confident with, you know, someone says to me, you know, David, you, you, you do a really good job of, of supporting your children. Mm. You know, you, you talk to them, you listen to them. And, you know, I may have just, just come away from having a bad conversation with one of my children, Mm. but the fact that someone reminds me of that, then I go, Oh, well, you know, maybe that one didn't go so well, but 
generally speaking, I think people recognize and I think about it. Yeah, we have a lot of good conversations and not very many bad ones. Hmm. So that being grounded in that, I think makes it a lot easier than to have the confidence to say, well, if I've been successful and this new thing requires those skills, hmm. then I have a likelihood of being successful. And then I'm more, I have that next little push to say, okay, I can give this a try. Well, you know, uh, I, I was about to say, man, when you say that, <laughs> it just, you know, and I think I want to repeat that New Year's reflection instead of just having New Year resolutions. I think that's very, very crucial because as you said, if if we can't even reflect and can't even remember what we are good at, then we start chasing things out of suspicion. It's like, oh, I think I may be good at this. I think I can achieve this. But when you get to the rock bottom of knowing, okay, this is what I'm good at, this is what I can do, and this is what I'm going to do, we give a lot of clarity. And and personally, when I was going through through the exercises, getting down to the bottom of what because you know it's it's a weird space when you you really feel dissatisfied with your life it's like oh everybody looks at the outside and be like oh man david has the life everybody wants to live but when you look at your own life you're like man i wish i had a different life i wish i i, I was doing something different but at the same time you still do not know what really bugs you which is why i encourage people to buy the book and read the book because those questions personally and 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 I followed the instructions in the book where it says don't don't answer the questions while you're driving, don't answer the questions when when you're running, <laughs> when you're not calm. I really had to calm down. And I remember telling my wife, I was like, hey, I'm going to close the door to the office. I'm going to take a few minutes. I, I need to to think about this. And as I, I started thinking about it, going to really the bottom of understanding what is it that I really want. And I think to to your point and, and the point that you've made in the book, there is that satisfaction in knowing what exactly you want. And, and that brings, brings so much joy. So you talk about this in the book. At 23, you have most, probably today, if I, I tell someone I had a dream like that, they'll tell me, Mark Allen, you're crazy. <laughs> you had one of the boldest ambitions at the age of 23. Can you, can you talk a little bit about that and what you intended, that intention particularly, and how you, you've you got to a point of living that intention? Of course, the first the first thing that you, you've just mentioned in the book and which you've, you've gone through in your life was understanding what you really wanted. So at 23, you discovered, this is what I really wanted. And now you set the intentions. What was that journey and that process like? And... I don't know if that's if this is fair to do to you, but I really love that you did the process. You know, you did the 22 questions and 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 I don't know if you would like to just share what was your experience at, and then I'll 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 answer that question for sure. But what was your experience of when you finished writing those questions to you? So can you share that? Yes, absolutely. And then I know we're gonna talk about your, you know, what you came up with as your intention, but I would be yes. curious. Well, that was like for you. Is that okay? To, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know. It's okay, and okay. and we try we try to be as honest as we can on this podcast. We uh we we try not to tell, not to talk about books we haven't read, not to you know to uh to share experiences that we haven't read. I, I remember even Adam and I. I'll just open this parenthesis. We wanted to review to review a book on finance, and Adam was like, "Man, 
I'm still struggling in this area and we are not comfortable reviewing this book right now. <laughs> Although I had made some progress, I was like, ah, now I don't think I'm ready to review the book either because <laughs> I made so many bad decisions. <laughs> Anyways, that's just to, to point out that how, how much we, we try to be as honest as we can on the podcast to help as many people as we can. So when, when I read the book, uh, David, I'll be, I'll be sincere. I was really going through a turmoil in my life, asking myself, did I pick the right career? Am I doing the right thing in my life? And if I'm not doing the right thing, what is it that I want to do? You know, there's always that question about your passion and the finance. You know, passions are great. They don't pay bills. That's the only, <laughs> the only caveat of passion. At least not all the time. I know some people do what they love and they still are able to afford to afford the, the type of life that they want. And going through that experience took me to the very bottom of me. I, as I read the questions, I went deep inside to really understand what are the things that bring me joy? What are the things that bring me satisfaction? They, they may not necessarily bring me money, but they bring me satisfaction. And one of the things that I discovered personally was sitting here in an interview talking to you. And I can be here all night. Adam knows it. Yeah. Every time Adam and I meet, we, we can talk for three, four hours and we're still talking. And helping people, just helping people discover their purpose, helping, helping people reach all their goals, help motivating people, you know, giving people instruction, helping them to grow. And when I got to that, it made me realize that maybe I've been approaching life the wrong way. Maybe I've been thinking about so many things in terms of finances. Maybe I've been putting too many numbers on too many things. But at the end of the day, when everything is said and done, there's only few people that remember how much you had. And the, as a matter of fact, you leave it all. You, you don't take any with you. And getting to that, to that very level, to that point, made me realize that maybe I need to change my priorities. Maybe I need to get to a point where I'm more honest with myself and start growing in the area where I need to grow and become better. And that's why I created that intention that we talk about. Because I thought to myself, if I can only invest this amount of time every single day, at least six out of seven days a week or five out of seven days a week, within the next 10 years, and my goal in, in my mind is 10 years. I say within the next, the next 10 years, if I'm consistent, then I can be an expert in this field. So that, that was my experience reading it and helping me just to get to a point of saying, this is what I'm trying to do. This is how I'm going to do it. And I'm going to take everything within my power to do it. Of course, there's still things that I cannot control, <laughs> things that are outside of my control. That I can't, I can't stop hurricanes from coming. I cannot stop the rain from coming. <laughs> but at least everything that's under my control, I am going to do as much as I can to, you know, uh, to, 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 to do what I can. That, that's, 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 that's what my experience was like. That's beautiful. Yeah, I to to have to have taken the time to to answer those questions and to get to that feeling is I would be delighted if people got halfway to what you just explained. Mm. So congratulations. Thank you. All right. The questions was back at you now. <laughs> okay. All right. So my journey was a little little unique in the sense that in my twenties I got into um selling real estate. 
And back in those days, which would have been the early 70s, the real estate profession per, uh, really attracted motivational speakers, mm. people like Zig Ziglar, mm. Napoleon Hill, and Tony Robbins, who's actually still around so, today. Yep. Yeah. And uh, he's a, quite a powerhouse in that whole field of, <laughs> of uh, self-development and motivation. But um, at the, their main focus at the time was how to sell more and make money. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I, I wasn't that big into that part of it, but there was something about it that, that I really took away, which is if you decide strong enough, you want something to happen, you can have some influence over that. Mm -hmm. So I took from, from that, I, I made that intention at 23 to say, well, what I'd like to be is financially independent by the time I was 33. Mm -hmm. So I'd said 10 years, I had a process of, I figured real estate was a, was a good method to do that. And so I mm -hmm. um, created an intention to have 60 rental units by the time I was 33. And based on the numbers at that time, I could live a very comfortable life on the income that I would generate from those. Um, and so I, I made that intention, I wrote it down at, at 23. And by the time I was 26, it had, uh, I was, had 16 apartments, 16 rental units. Wow. And at that time, that, that was a decent accomplishment. Mm -hmm. And that was enough, kind of back to our original point, once you pick an intention mm. um, and you have some success with it, success builds some confidence. Yeah. And so I picked two other intentions. One was I was living in Akron, Ohio, mm -hmm. and wanted to live someplace that was more, had a larger outdoor experience and more sunshine. Akron mm -hmm. doesn't have a lot of sun, <laughs> still doesn't today. But uh, so I wanted to move out west is where, where I was going to live. And I wanted to have a significant relationship, mm -hmm. a long-term relationship. And so I made, I added those two intentions to the mix and within a very short period of time, I decided to move to Colorado and actually my, the woman that I've been married to for 43 years now um, came with me and, and we I had a significant relationship that's lasted a really long time. Hmm. So, um, that was, you know, the initial journey. And I, those are my three kind of big rocks in my life, big intentions mm -hmm. that got me really started on this path to say, I think this is a good thing and have been working it pretty hard, you know, since then. Amazing. That's a really, that's a really amazing story, actually, uh, setting a goal and actually being able to accomplish it. Um, I think it's, it's Jim Ron who is who who is actually saying that um, the reason why we should be accomplishing our goals is for what it makes us to get them done. Mm. Basically, the process of accomplishing that goal and the person you become on the other side of accomplishing the goal, uh, which is which is very good. And um, a lot of those, a lot of the goal accomplishment, or even if I can just um, backtrack a little bit to where you are getting out of this um, basically rock bottom and you are building yourself up and talking about the motivational speakers um, during the early 70s. It's actually funny. Um, when I read John C. Maxwell's um, 15 Invaluable Laws of Growth, mm. he's actually, he started actually also talking about the 70s, how somebody in the 70s 
introduced him and sold him like a package. And it's, uh, it's actually funny. Um, I, I really like to sit down and, and, and hear more about the 70s. But I'm going to um, go straight to asking now the question that I have. For you to come out of that uh, bottom is you have to think highly of yourself. You have to think that you can accomplish more than the obvious and you can go at a higher level. And for you to actually be able to do that, you got to have some level of positive attitude for you to get there. Now, um, I want to ask the question with how do you keep a positive outlook toward life? And um, like when you are faced with circumstances and, and I'm going to change the word circumstances, I'm going to call it situation because a few philosophers that I've read before, um, they define a situation as a place where you are thrown in and you have no control, basically like the color of your skin or uh, the, where you were born, the family that you, choose, that you were born in. You don't choose those stuff. But how do you mm-hmm. maintain a positive attitude when all of that is just, it looks like or it feels like it's coming at you and you don't have any control? Yeah. Um, well, you've, you said the right word, which is control. Mm. And I definitely, uh, have a lot of desire to have control, uh, over the things <laughs> that I want to have happen in my life. I can relate. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. And sometimes people go, Oh, David, you, you really do want to have a lot of control here. Yeah. So I also try to be, I also try to be open as open as possible to, to other people's control and try to come to a collaborative <laughs> next step. That's a good one. But, but so you really nailed it with the control thing. And I think that's, that's what affects my positive attitude. If I'm feeling in control, mm-hmm. um, I'm going to feel positive. If right. I'm not feeling control, I'm probably going to be a little more grumpy and, you know, mm-hmm. uh, not as, not as open to things. So I have to say, though, that not to be redundant about it, but when I am really not feeling in control, that I have enough control over something in my life, hmm. I rely on intention to help me do that. So I have a you know a weekly intention list that I refer to every week. I look at my hmm. personal intentions, and they're all the big, important things in my life that I want, that I'm trying to make happen, have or working on making happen. Um, so when I'm not feeling in control, I go to that space of what's, what do I want? What do I really want to have happen here? And either I create one or I tweak one that I I may already have. And, and, um, what that just using a little analogy of that to me, it almost feels like I then become an artist sitting down at a blank canvas. Um, and I can paint a picture now of whatever, how I want to have control over this thing. Mm. So even though the world is operating and doing all the things that it's going to do, all the events are going to happen. I'm in this place. Now I can draw that picture. And in my case, usually in my case, I'm not an artist. Mm -hmm. So it's more words that I put on a page. Mm -hmm. And once I've written that down, I then sit back and can feel, can step back from that. And then once again, I feel that confidence because I know I've, it's worked before Mm -hmm. to start moving on that trajectory towards more of what I do want. Mm -hmm. 
that's that's a very good point um something that you just say like right now that it worked before uh and it worked before and it's likely gonna work again mm-hmm. uh that's a very good point because i i was i believe that uh, I, I was teaching because this this past um, semester in in the spring i was teaching a class on introduction to engineering and uh, I love teaching that class, particularly because you get to be at the very first minutes when students, maybe their parents throw them into engineering, or they are just there because it pays more, or they are there because they've, ever since they were a kid, they are so excited that they want to be a, an astronaut at NASA, basically. So you, you get to be there at that moment. And, um, and, and the question actually came up on, on, on basically like, on moving forward. And I found myself talking about um, these victories, having a package of victories that um, every time you're faced with a new challenge, you look at the victories that you have already accomplished. And that's kind of just give you a leg up to the next thing that you're gonna try to, that you're gonna try to accomplish. But I'm also a scientist. Uh, and uh, for the longest time, actually, I kept on arguing with my social science friends. So I'm, I'm an ex- exact science type of person. Um, mm-hmm. do physics. I do biology directly. Um, I do a lot of engineering. That's mostly like my area of expertise. Now into neuroscience because I'm, I'm also doing um, my research and most of my work is in neuroscience. And one of the questions that's... Um, that, that I tend to ask and to a lot of guests uh, actually that we tend to have and anybody who understands science and also is doing great things in, in real life is to go back now to the actual science of things and try to relate these things like um, basic, like I'm, I look back into my success and um, I that's give me a leg up to go forward. Or I listened to a motivational speaker, and that gave me started to accomplish something better in my life. Or just even the idea of a conscious intention. Um, all of that thing, all of those things, when you put them together. Now, my question is to know: um, Is there any 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 physiology behind it? Is there any part? of the brain, something that is being fired or some neurotransmitters that are being now passing pa- passed around. Now for that audience, because we do have the audience that actually is also very much interested. Uh, I personally listen, listen to a podcast called um, Neuroscience Amateur Hours, where they talk about the neuroscience of pretty much everything. So now I'm kind of, I'm kind of curious um, to know and based on your expertise as well, yeah. what would be like, what would be some of the things that um, that are driving these things and how could I mean if we all have those things why are we not all accessing them and using them the same way yeah that's a great question and I'm not probably the one to talk about the neuroscience of how what's happening actually at the brain level hmm. you know most of the work that I refer to is more in the psychology and sociology. Mm-hmm. And as you are aware of, and in that case, usually it's a matter of getting subjects and 
and running some sort of an experiment and then seeing how what the result of that does. Mm. So for example, um, in 2002 in the British Health Journal, they talk about a, a study um, where they had people, um, they were trying to improve the amount of exercise that they did. Mm -hmm. and, and the process was that they had three different experimental groups. And the first group, I think, just read a magazine or something. And the second group were told all the benefits of exercise. And um, the third group was told the, the article with all the benefits of exercise, but were also asked to pick a date, time, and place that they were actually going to exercise. Mm -hmm. And then and then they had the groups to, you know, go forth and, and, and do that process. Mm -hmm. um, and at the end of the time, they're measuring the amount of exercise that they do, and they were able to determine that the people that added what they call an implementation intention, which is putting a date, time, and place, mm -hmm. they did more exercise. Mm. And that, and you could repeat that experiment over and over, and that's the result you would get. Mm. So to answer your question, what is the, you know, um, the, the brain, how does the brain... Yeah, physiological part. Um, right. I don't have that answer, just that I could say, at least psychology tries to do that, to say it does this, does this particular implementation intention help? people do things better. And to your question, why don't people do that then? Why don't people, when they create an intention, also create a date, time, and place? Mm. Um, for example, that's one of the, the feedback that I was going to give you, Mark, about your intention is that I thought you could throw in a few more dates in there mm. uh, as to when you wanted some things to happen. And I, and the science, the quote, the psychological science supports that, you know, the, how the brain does that, that's a different kettle of fish. And sounds like Adam, you're going to get more, more into that, which is great. <laughs> and uh, I, I do read that stuff. So I do read it, but I, I'm not as good at kind of putting it all that part of it together. I agree. I also I also read that stuff and I watch a lot of it. It still doesn't make sense to me, I'll be honest. <laughs> I, I just know it happens and I, I like to stay on the psychological side, side actually, of it. Actually, as well. to be fair, most people actually don't know. Um, it's still a yeah. lot of those stuff, there's still stuff that's uh, a lot of theory. Hmm. Uh, it's like, okay, we think it happens, but it's really, maybe it's happening, but okay, we don't have enough measure measurable quantities that's things that we can directly yeah. measure uh that's causing it and that's actually where my research tend to be um aspects of neuroscience and that that expected like we just don't know it's happening but where is it like uh, yeah right right how to specifically identify yeah. exactly what's firing in the brain to make that happen and, yeah um, and so it, it, you know psychology is definitely trying to 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 do good science to to validate certain processes that can improve people's quality of life and and certainly that that's one of the implementation intentions that we've baked into our process. And Dr. David, you just you just mentioned something. I think you alluded to it uh, in, in 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 answering this question. Where and I think you are talking to me too, as to why people where's the bridge between intending and doing right 
a lot of people, again, going back to, to, to the example we were talking about here, year resolutions, a lot of people have projects, they have goals, they have things like myself, as, as we discussed, having great intentions, but then there's always that gap between, between uh, intending and actually doing. Uh, I remember I read a story, I don't know if it was uh, Dr. John Maxwell or Zig Ziglar that was talking about that story. He said there were three birds on a, wire, on a wire and one of them decided to leave. And he said his father would always ask them how many birds are left on the wire. And of course, eventually you, you say two, but then <laughs> he always said that his father tried to teach them that simply because he intended to do it, doesn't mean he actually did it, right? And so in order for us to fulfill or to accomplish our intentions, you just mentioned one point, and I would like you to elaborate a little bit more that, on, on that. Why is it important to have a date and time and that specificity? Yeah, I well, other than I think there's quite a bit of science that supports that con that idea that mm. somehow our brains, the neuroscience of our brains, the neurology of our brains is, is, is stimulated, is, is, um, supports us once we make that, make those kinds of decisions mm. that we're going to do something on a date, time and a place. Mm. So, and it's a whole gestalt really of things. And I, I think that that's why I think it's important to do all, all, if you're really talking about having a conscious attention about something, mm. it's important to really do this whole process, which mm -hmm. is number one, really feeling that you're grounded in, in the thing that you should be doing. Mm -hmm. Cause it could be a little bit easy to just, you know, say, oh, well, David, David Corpenning, he has a good life. Maybe that's a life I should have. Mm. Or Mark Allen has a great life. Or Adam, you know, wow, that's what he's doing is good. But by the time you're 20, you know, in your 20s and 30s, you know, you, you should, you should have a pretty good sense of the things that you are good at and the things that you love. Right. And it, it really helps mm. to just have that confidence, that grounding in knowing that you are the person you are and you have really great qualities and the things that you're going to do are important. And that, then when you make that commitment to a date, time, and place, and there's one other piece that I think is really important. And it's another little tip, another thing that I was going to suggest to you, Mark, in the, in what you, in the intention that you created mm -hmm. is find people that can hold you accountable. Mm -hmm. That really helps, you know, your best friend. And it's, it's tough maybe to tell them, Hey, you know, I'm committed now to my personal growth. And I'm spending three hours every morning on my, on my own personal growth, telling Adam that, mm. and then saying, you know, Adam, could you check in with me about that? Mm -hmm. And then a week goes by and I'm checking, Hey, how's that going, Mark? Mm. Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> I was supposed to do that. Right. Yeah. And Adam's, you know, you got to find the right people. Mm -hmm. Adam doesn't jump down your throat. Right. He just says, Oh gosh, Mark, you know, you said you're going to, is that still something you want to do? Yep. That's what I want to do. Check in with me again. So I think those three legs of the stool, and you put those together, that's what helps people then really have a good shot of, as you've asked, doing, doing something to make their what's next happen.
Amazing. And I think you you mentioned a lot about this. So I'd like, I'd like us to take a minute to, to talk about this. So my intention, the intention that we, we discussed, one of, of, of the few that I, I put together to, to do in the next uh, 10 years, I intend to wake up every day at 4.30 in the morning and spend three hours undistracted and focus on my personal development. That's, that was the first question. That's my intention. So the second question of the book asks, what have I done about it? Uh, to be honest, the first thing I just did, I set the alarm to go off every day at 4.30. Uh, but so far, I've just been waking up and turning it off, then go back to sleep, <laughs> which uh, yeah. I hope at some point uh, I can, I can yeah. get better at that. Uh, the second thing that I've been trying to do is to get away from my phone alarm and, and just use a regular, a regular alarm so that when I wake up, I'm not, I'm not scrolling through my phone and I'm not distracted by anything of that nature. So the third question was, what should happen in the next 30 to 60 days. The first thing I realized that the reason why I cannot wake up that early is because I can't sleep or I do not sleep early. So my goal is to go to bed, to be in bed by latest 10 30 every day. But, well, to be asleep by latest 10 30, which I intend to do by going to bed by latest 10 p.m. So if I'm in bed by 10 p.m. latest and ideally be there by 9 30, but if I'm in bed by that by 10 p.m. latest, I can have that extra 30 minutes just in case I'm not able to sleep, at least just to relax and rest. The fourth question was, who can help me with this? Of course, uh, my wife, Plamedi, <laughs> she uh, she keeps me accountable. I'm just not sure if uh, she will convince me enough, but <laughs> she, she, she she's the person I'm the most accountable to. Uh, she, she can help me shut off because I think that's one of the biggest problems. I, I do not know how to shut off. Uh, I stay on my computer too long. I read a book too long. Uh, I'm on my phone too long. And if I can just get someone at least to remind me, hey, it's 10 p.m. It's time to start shutting off. Uh, the second person, of course, that I'm most accountable to is my my brother, uh, my brother Zef that we had on the podcast uh, last week. He he helps me to to keep me accountable with things like my calendar and and I share with him a lot of my intentions. The only caveat is that he doesn't live with us here. He's he's back in Congo and the communication gap and the timing and everything sometimes can can get very complicated. And of course Adam, I enlist Adam, but Adam is too busy. This dude <laughs> is way too busy than he needs to. All right. The fifth question was uh I would like to make, what by when do I like to make this, this intention to be a reality? I would like to make it a reality by June 30th for this year. By June 30th, I should be able to be waking up at least five days out of seven at five, at five, at uh, 4.30 in the morning. Uh, my schedule should allow, should, should my schedule should readjust to allow me waking up early. And that is, you know, living, sleeping early, but also, also waking up early. Now, the sixth question was, what are actions that I'm going to be taking? The first thing that I said is I'm going to be going to bed every day at a consistent time, which is still a problem. Some days I sleep at 2, some days I sleep at 10. No, not really 10. It's in between midnight and 2. <laughs> I, I can't remember the last time I slept before midnight. That, that has been a very long time. Uh, the other thing that I wanted was to start working early in the morning because I realized that when... When I wake up late and I'm rushing to get to work and all that, I'm not fully focused. But if I wake up early, I'm fully focused by the time the time for work rolls in, 
I'm fully engaged into work rather than just, you know, trying to beat traffic. Well, I don't have a lot of traffic. It's pretty much from my bedroom to the office. <laughs> I work from <laughs> home. So, you know, trying to 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 get a cup of tea and all that before I get working. This, the third thing that I, I think is going to help me as well uh, about the actions is to start, to start eating my dinner early. Because I tend to eat late and then, um, you know, my stomach's too big and I can't breathe properly because, I've, you know, I've eaten maybe a little more than I should have, you know, and, 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 and I stay longer. And that's the problem. So the obstacles that I'm facing is that the first one is sometimes on Fridays, Saturdays, I have some MC engagement that do not tend to end early. And um, what I'm trying to do, what I'll do when obstacles like that arise is to not have two days in a row of that, but also make sure that I have at least six hours of uninterrupted sleep. And then if I miss a day, as I said, I'm going to make sure that I do not miss a second day. So that's my intention on my personal growth and development. Now, back at you, David. So just quickly, do you, how confident do you feel that you can make make your intention happen right at this point. I think at this point, to be honest, maybe around eighty percent confident. That's 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 high. So that's great. <laughs> so that's, <high>. awesome. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so the only the couple of things that I would suggest mm-hmm. um, that you consider is um, to. You know, you you talk about three hours of undistracted focus on focused on my personal development. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a big category, okay. and maybe consider being so when you are in those three hours, mm-hmm. at least to begin with, maybe list what that you know what those things are. For example, does that mm-hmm. mean you're gonna you know exercise for your personal development? Are you gonna mm-hmm. you know read during that time? You're gonna meditate. So I. Th- think having some structure during that time mm-hmm. because I you're the kind of person that's brain is going to quickly find ways to fill that time and you right. want it to be focused mm-hmm. on the kind of personal development that that you're interested in so mm-hmm. I would say get make that a little more clear okay um and I would um I assume that you have put this time in your do you use an electronic calendar Oh yes, uh, I do. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you put these this three hour block from four thirty or from five to eight o'clock or something. Mm-hmm. It's it's this block on my calendar. Yeah. Okay, and maybe you know just throwing this out. That's an ambitious plan. Yeah. Um. Do you think maybe starting with maybe every other day, uh, mm-hmm. or something might. Mm-hmm might be a way to be, you know, less sabotaging yourself from actually being able to make something like that happen. Mm. So maybe, you know, dial it back a bit to maybe every other day or every third day. And, Mm. but, but it's, but once it's in there, you, you've made the commitment that that during those three hours, you're going to work on these things Mm. specifically. And again, you know, as, as a, you should revisit this once, you know, every week, and decide, oh, you know, now I need to add this, or maybe I don't need to work on that. Mm. Um, and on the actions, I would be, you know, when you say go to bed at a consistent time every day, again, I would I would be very clear about that. So right. I would say go to bed in bed at 10 p.m. Mm-hmm. 
I would say, instead of start working early in the morning, I'd say, be at my desk working at 5.30 a.m. Make it easy for your brain to know what it is that you want. Mm. And then just as we were previously talking about, I think having this, as you just shared with me and Adam, I would have, I would, you know, maybe your wife is the right person. Maybe, you know, I know that I share a lot of things, but with my wife, Mm. but I don't necessarily make her my accountability coach. (laughs) Right. That can that can have issues in itself. So, you know, maybe, you know, you, you do say, Adam, here's one thing I need your help with, and mm-hmm. I'm going to call you up or whatever. And we're going to talk for just two minutes. Mm-hmm. I'm going to see if you can fit me in. And, we're, and I want to share with you where I'm at on this intention. Mm-hmm. So whether it's Adam or somebody, but I think finding two people that you feel confident are not going to Oh, be hard, too hard on you. If you don't accomplish, don't do what you say you're going to do. And they're supportive and kind and compassionate. Um, that's going to go a long way to keeping you on, mm-hmm. on track. Mm-hmm. And lastly, I would say, you know, post this, I think you have it on your, your phone, which I think is great. Mm-hmm. But like we say in the book, we ask you to tear, you know, write it by hand right. and tear it out and put it someplace that's in your face mm-hmm. or in your pocket and you pull it out and you pay attention to it. So mm-hmm. those are, those are just a couple of my suggestions. You did a great job. You, it really is. It's a beautifully done. Thank and you. what you're telling me, you feel 80%, but here's, those are a few tips that for you and that maybe if other people buy the book, they can use those, you know, focus on those things too. Absolutely. Uh, this uh, I, there, there's so much um, things about this book that are actually like I think that you might think I mean that we all are continuously using on every day's life and it's just like probably we just don't realize it. Hmm. Uh, I'm gonna go back to the introduction of the book when I was reading the book. Actually, there's something that's really caught my attention. When at the very, very beginning of the book, you talk about um, wanting a small sports car, for example. It's an example that's, that, that, that you put out. And um, you, the question was, what is it that you really want? That's what, was, what, that, what the question was. And there's, there's so many aspects of things and so many small things that come in to what you really want. Hmm. And the constraints, actually, it was kind of a full design there. It took one page, but it is it was very fully well-rounded one page because there was everything in there. There was the constraints, there was financial constraint that you can be facing to getting your sport car. But um, then you go back, and I think um, Mark, Mark has already practiced and applied this, uh, you go back and then you find out that basically it's not the car that will satisfy you. But what will satisfy you is to take off the top on the car, drive at a super high speed, (laughs) and have the wind in your hair and feel that. Now, um, so then... I have I I I I have a question with that with that particular aspect of of, of doing things, um, the idea of satisfaction. 
basically, I, if I can just touch a little bit of, of on the neuroscience aspect of things, uh, there's the dopamine channel, where basically you have a dopamine rush, and it makes you happy. It makes you like, but then when now the thing that makes you happy become a very temporary thing, then you become connected to a quick fix. Now, I want to see, in your opinion, how, how would you get a separation? Because these, these things, like, I've, I had a sports car before. And what I mean by sports car, I mean, I, I forget about most of the things. Like, I'm, I'm literally, just, I drove that car from Texas to California. And with mm-hmm. all the beautiful views and driving through New Mexico, and it was just, it was magical. It was, it was something that... I want to keep doing. And that because it satisfied a need or something that it really triggers something in my brain that I really want to go back to that moment. Now, how would that not, that not hurt me at a certain point of my life where, okay, now I can't afford it and I'm stuck with renting cars all the time because it's giving me that dopamine and that thing that uh, makes me, making me happy. Like how, what would be a good balance if I can ask the question in that aspect like what would be the line yeah i think i think what you're mostly saying is when you have something that really brings you deep joy yeah that you really love and enjoy doing and in this case it's driving a sports car with the with the top down yeah and the experience of seeing you know feeling the air around you and um and seeing the scenery firsthand, you're not looking out the window, you know, the skies above you. Yeah. Um, and then I think you're saying the problem with being able to do that is the is that you may not have the finances to afford that. Yeah. Is that, it, it, is it that might the be, juxtaposition? Yes. So it might become an addiction. The, the problem is like, how mm-hmm. do you separate now that, okay, this is, I'm being intentional about something. Mm-hmm with mm. i am now addicted to being intentional about that thing mm. oh okay <laughs> yeah. let me see what you're saying yeah addicted to and you created a conscious intention it turns into an addiction now yeah. what do you do yes <laughs> okay uh well I'm, that's not a field that i spent much time in in psychology addiction so i would just so in my case i'd be happy as your coach to say well i'm really glad that you're happy you know with that now if you have an addiction you need to create an intention about how to how to do this different so if it if it means you're doing it too much you really don't you really think you're doing it too much then maybe you need to create an intention about having more balance in your life. So you're spending too much time in your sports car driving around with the wind in your hair and on the wheel and enjoying it. So now you need to create a new intention about, okay, I need to reevaluate my life because I'm probably spending too much time there Mm -hmm. and I need to create a a new positive intention to how I'm going to live my life. And, and then I think in that other things will come. I mean, in fact, if you have a deep addiction, you may actually have to go see a psychologist or a counselor to, mm-hmm. to sort out that addiction. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Does that help the answer? Yeah, that's, that that, that, that's a very good, that's, that's a very good point. Um, it's just like, I think you also talk about it again in the book, 
the idea of not being stagnant, mm-hmm. of the idea of not settling for any point. And I, I, I got this from the book and I was actually, um, the thing about me and definitely also about Mark is that when we read these books, we go ahead and apply them. We don't just um, read it and make it a passive knowledge. So um, I actually met this young lady today and I ran into her. And of course, the campus right now is completely empty. And I ran this young young lady. I knew her and um, and I asked her, like, hey, how have you been? Like the last time we talked, you had a math test you're supposed to take and so on. She's like, oh, yeah, by the way, I graduated yesterday. And I'm like, oh, cool. So <laughs> the question comes up what's next what are you gonna do uh, after this and we spent like 45 minutes is like hmm. i have that issue actually i think i have to be intentional about it just when i'm starting to pour into somebody it's i'm stuck there i stay there for an hour and a half and i'm, I'm not caring about my time or their time and they love the conversation but also like their time and so that then i ask her like hey what are you gonna do about your life like what's coming next and she doesn't know, actually. And, uh, and I ended up basically uh, bringing up these points that you, you use in your book. Things like um, stagnation. Hmm. Where like you can't, you can't reach one level and just stay there. You can't just have a bachelor degree and just stay there. You have to be... Like your time and your effort should be focused on the challenges that's going to be up ahead. I believe, like, I think the very, very first episode of our podcast, um, uh, Mark and I, and I think I think Mark mentioned this, is it was about, okay, now that you got the job that you want, the dream job that you want, what comes next after this? And, and Mark suggested, as I, as he told the story of a manager who used to uh, hand out newspapers about the job like a new job, like a higher position than what his employees had and say, okay, do you have what it takes um, for you to actually get that position? And I make that question very specific for my students now. I ask them two things. Do you have the character and the skills for you to get that next next level up? So now I'm, I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask the question on that on that aspect, on the idea of, of stagnation. I want you to elaborate a little bit on the principle of, st- of stagnation and how that can be a danger to somebody's improvement. So I think you're saying that at some point for people, they just don't seem to have the motivation to do what's next. Exactly. So they, they just get to a point. Okay, I'm going to give you an example. Um, me and my little brother, we are two different type of people. But here's what happened. I graduated from college, got my master's, got a really good job as a process engineer in a good company. Worked there, was making good money, was pretty much enjoying my life. But I, I am not the type to settle. I do not actually stay on one place. <laughs> As soon as I feel like my brain is not thinking anymore, I move on. So I left the job, went back to grad school. I'm getting a PhD now. And I can see the future and the advantage from there. I have a younger brother. My younger brother got his degree in law, graduated top lawyer in his entire school. 
got a job that is um i mean it's kind of an average job though i mean they're giving him money and so on uh but my dad is saying that he's he's a slave to the person who he's working with for because my dad is a very entrepreneurial so he's like yeah you are being a slave and so on so there are two type of people right there is one side for me i'm continuously trying to improve and then there's the one that has stagnated has just stayed there because they are earning enough he's able to afford a little car here he has his own apartment and he's just having the basic things in life now um my question goes toward like how can that be a danger and what would be your recommendation for people who just stagnate and i think i read it in in, in the book when i think it's where you asked the question on um would i ever really be happy something within those line or what would really like really make me happy something like that and then you talk about um stagnating basically staying at the certain enjoying being at one level yeah i don't think everybody has a necessarily a growth mindset yeah. i think there is a lot of people that for whatever reasons are just not that motivated uh-huh. to do many things they are very content with just living a basic life um or they have for whatever reason moved up in you know through the organization that they're in or the business they're in and you know we have those things that are called golden handcuffs and for a lot of people that they're hard to break free of um i think i i guess i would just say that you know i i like to appeal to people that have that little inkling have that little part of them that says i'm not satisfied with where i'm at and i i want to do something different and and that's not it's not a lot of people i just don't i'm not sure it is a lot of people a lot of people just take more or less take what happens next and does the best they can with it but there are a lot of people that there is enough people that that is a that is an ongoing um desire within them that that if this isn't working out i need to think of something different hmm. and that's that's the people that i've always tried to focus on i've had people that say you know things are going well i'm doing okay but it's just not where i want to be and i'd like to think about how could i do the next thing that i really is best suited for me and i have the best chance of actually making it happen absolutely dr david that's 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 very beautifully put and uh, for all the people out there who would like something different in their lives or are still confused about what they really want or are still confused about what is it that they really want for their lives Ladies and gentlemen, I cannot recommend this book enough. And I promise. And I promise and I don't want you it's a small book. It it really is a small yeah. book. It's, it's not it's minutes. not a book that would take you too much time <laughs> yeah. to read. But it would take you too much time to go through. I I can guarantee you that for sure. If if you keep up with the exercises that are in the book, if you keep up with everything that's recommended and really take time. As a matter of fact, to some people I mean, I'll even suggest go to a retreat. Take time away from 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 your regular everything every the stuff that you see every day. I mean, I'm talking about your phone. I'm talking about your TV. I'm talking about the disposition of your bedroom or maybe your car, the smell of everything that you know. 
stay away, step away from that and, and just go to, to, to a place where you really want to discover what is next for your life and what is the thing that you really want to do in this life. I don't think there's anything more sad than getting to the end of the life and thinking to yourself, man, I wish I'd lived a different life. I wish I'd done this and that. You know, I don't care if I, I get to the to the end of my life and, you know, I, and in, to the eyes of the world, is like, man, he had so much potential and he hasn't accomplished anything. But in my own eyes and in the eyes of God, of course, I'm looking at myself and being like, man, this is the life I've always wanted. You know, and that's the top, that's the top of satisfaction I want I want to leave this world with. That's the type of, of satisfaction I want to end my life with. And and discovering what is next for your life and what you really, really want is a great step toward that. Look, David, we, we're going to finish up with these few questions here. Where can, yeah. fe- can people find more about you and where can people find your book? Okay. Um, it is on Amazon. So we have a hardback paperback and now we have an audible That's version cool. so Ooh. you can get all three on That's Amazon. Yeah. And, uh, we've tried to adapt the audible cause it is a workbook. We've tried to adapt the, the audible such that a person, if they have a, a journal, they'll need a journal, something to write in, but, mm-hmm. uh, they can still do the process. Mm-hmm. And we also have a website. The F is next. The F is next.com. Mm-hmm. and they can buy it they can be directed to the book from there and and we hope to have more and more resources available at that site amazing and what if people want to reach out to you personally to have a consulting where where can they do that if they want to consult with you they're thinking to themselves man mark had david and had this one time life opportunity to have his goals review but i have no idea i have nobody that can do it with me <laughs> can you get me to david well how can they do that yeah. Um, and by the way, you did a, a really great job of, of, of selling that concept that encouraging people to, to really take the opportunity to, to take the time. That's what it takes. Take a little bit of time. And we've tried to design a process that takes the least amount of someone's time and gives yep. them the biggest bang for their buck. Absolutely. Um, but yes, on the website, we have a spot where you can actually reach out to us. Awesome. That's perfect. And uh, I'll finish up with these few questions here. The first one, other than the three books that you've written, what are three other books that you could recommend? Um, well, that, that's, that's really a great question. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, first of all, I, I read a lot of books and I enjoy a whole genre of books. Uh, you know, I, I, for recreation, I typically read sci-fi. Wow. And, uh, but I would say for me, three mm-hmm. books, Three books have stood out that I refer to quite a bit. Uh, one is by Thoreau. It's called Walden. Walden. Okay. And that that really helped me kind of set my my life intention on living a reasonably simple life, but at the same time being in nature a lot mm-hmm. and and obviously being very attentive to nature and allowing nature to to flow through my veins as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, another book that kind of fits in that same genre is uh, Annie Dillard's book, uh, Pilgrim at Tinker Creek. Mm. And she's a similar type author, um, just absolutely connects me to being in nature at the you know micro level up to the macro level. Mm-hmm. And then one that's a little off the wall is by Gary Zukoff and it's motorcycle, uh, Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. Um, I've always had a motorcycle since I was 20 years old. I still have one today. 
um, and I ride that motorcycle. My wife rides on the back quite a bit. That's nice. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I love so that. <laughs> that. It's a very philosophical book, but it's also very practical and grounded in the same kind of, you know, Thoreau, Annie Dillard way. That's great. That's great. Now, the second question surprise that we have for you is if you could change anything in the world, what would that be? There's really no question. I don't want to be redundant, but I just wish that that our, our leaders would use much more um, conscious intention and collaborative dialogue. Wow. That's, that's great. Collaborate with Galo. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, that's important. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah, Especially yeah, politics. Doesn't make, we don't hear much of that, do no. we? Collaborative dialogue. Yeah. But that's kind of another passion of mine is, is uh, facilitating dialogue. I've done quite a bit of that. And, and I, just, I just see the power of that. And if we could get it at a higher level, it would be awesome. Absolutely. That's amazing. And now the last question is, if there's anything... If everything is forgotten out of you, if if in the next 200 years, they know there was a certain David, you know, that lived on the world and people cannot remember anything about you. What is the one thing you would like people to remember about you? Okay. So I would ask them to put an hour in their calendar this week to determine what one of their most important things they want to have happen in their life. Wow. And during that one hour, create an intention of what they'd like, what they'd like to have happen and commit to that. Put one hour on their calendar and create an intention and start a pro and start on the process towards that. That's amazing. Ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. That's all David wants you to remember. Put it now on your calendar and figure out exactly what is it that you want for your life. And as well, if you still do not know where to find it, you'll find the link in the description of this video. And of course, it's also on the podcast, the description of the podcast, regardless of where you're listening to us too, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Teacher, or even Amazon Music, we and uh, Spotify, of course, which is our main platform. Uh, make sure that you check the link in the description. You'll find a direct link to Amazon where you can order the book. But we also put the link to Dr. David's website where you can contact him him directly but you can also order the book from there and be read, redirected to 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 the to website where you can you can order the book is with that that we'll be finishing again we'll be meeting on um, next tuesday as always and we're here this season as i mentioned at the beginning we are talking about the mind we talking about the thought that's why we have dr david here to explain and to understand what the, the power of intentions you you just cannot live your life like a potato you you need to to be intentional about the type of life that you're living you know one man say that if you do not have the type of life that you're living that you want then you are living somebody else's life if you don't have goals you will fall into someone else's goals if you don't have a dream you will live into someone else's dream so make sure you have your goals you have your dream and there's nothing wrong with being satisfied and content with where you are just be intentional about it are you intentionally content with where you are or are you just stagnated without any intention it just happened in your life so make sure that you're also 
so intentional about everything that you do and you decide. And of course, if you all you want to support us financially, as we've mentioned before, all our donations, most of our donations, I think 90 to 95% of our donations go to support the lives of the kids in the Congo, mostly in education. We want to make sure that we are creating a better nation, a better world, but not only in Congo, here in the United States as well. And that's why we are having the conference that we are having in December at UTD in collaboration with UTD, of course, to just raise the level of education in our communities, raise the level of awareness around our neighborhoods and to make sure that everybody around learns something and we are all getting something out of it. Uh, that is it for me. Uh, Adam, anything? Well, I'm just so, I'm just very grateful to, to have had a conversation with David and to have um, gone through his book and just uh, the part where he shared a lot of his personal life experiences and there and why he had to go through in the period of time and I've, i particularly enjoyed um the few lyrics that he puts in the book for the few music that he grew up <laughs> listening to and how those define and shape culture in his time it's an area also of my own interest um and um just to find somebody who emphasizes a lot also on intention uh, I spend the entire 2022 with, because every year I pick a word of the year and I live by that word. And I've been really good at living by that word. Last year, I pick, I pick intentionality as the one word that I will live by. And um, I came from no reading so much to reading 38 books last year because I was very intentional about my life and about my own future and about my growth. This year, big production. I'm, I'm insanely working. I'm working more than 10 to 15 hours a day because I want to be productive. I want to have measurable outcomes. And um, just coming across this book, thinking about what comes next and what can you do to find out what is next and what is in store for you is really a good, it, it's a gem. And really, thank you so much, uh, David. And it's a really it was a good pleasure. It was a great pleasure to uh, to be able to see you and to actually have this this conversation. So I would highly recommend. I would strongly recommend the book. Um, get a copy. It's a very small book. You can go through it literally in one hour and a half. You can read everything in one hour and a half. But of course, the exercise and the practice and so on you can pick from there. But if you're just going through the text, it's literally an hour and a half, and you can go through the text and you can really get a lot of insights from that and a lot of the concept and the knowledge actually that's why i like i like reading stuff by smart people you know <laughs> and, uh, and somebody smart has a phd in this and they're writing it's it's very different because the concept and the simplicity of the terms um is is is, is really well so it's really a very well written book and it's a really a, it's a masterpiece thank you so much david Thank you both. It's been a real pleasure talking to you guys. It was a real pleasure. David, do you have any other closing thought that we may have missed during the interview that you really like to get out there before we get going? Well, the only thing I would say is that really connect to the fact that you've been intentional in your life and it's paid off to to where you are today and you just need an opportunity as, as we've kind of come up with this new idea of at the end, at least by the end of the year to do that inventory of that person that you are and to connect with those nuggets and then leverage those into the very best next thing that you'd like to do. 
That is beautifully said, David. Thank you so much for having been here, ladies and gentlemen. It is that that we'll be ending today. Until next Tuesday, God bless you and you have a wonderful one. Bye-bye.